This is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Wednesday, August 21st of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Kerry Martin. Checking Ag News headlines, President Donald Trump is warning there will be more pain from the trade war with China until the Chinese agree to an acceptable deal. Trump told reporters Tuesday whether the trade war is good for our country or bad for our country in the short term, long term it's imperative that somebody does this. Trump insisted he is not worried that the disruption will lead to a recession. The Pro Farmer Crop Tour continues this week. Yesterday, the western leg of the tour went through Nebraska. Western Tour leader Jeff Wilson says the crop was average. He says there weren't many home runs, but there weren't many strikeouts either. As far as soybeans are concerned, Nebraska soybeans came in below last year's results and even below the three-year average for the state. We found 1,211 pods in a three-foot by three-foot area. That is down 6.8% from a year ago when we had almost 1,300 pods. Uh, and it is slightly below the three-year average of 1,218 pods, a 0.6% difference. That's that can happen in the field. You could lose the pods out there. So it's not a big deal. The eastern leg of the tour went through Indiana yesterday. The average estimated corn yield in Indiana was 161.46 bushels per acre. That's down 11% from last year. Soybeans numbered 923.94 pods in a 3 by 3 foot square. That's off 29% from last year. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Greet. What we saw in Indiana was better than what we saw in Ohio, but it wasn't a whole lot better, to be honest with you. It's still immature, still has a long ways to go, uh, still a lot of question marks. The yields were better, the pod counts were better, but they still weren't up to standard for what the state of Indiana anticipates growing. And, and you know, that that's the biggest takeaway, I think, from the first two days. Immaturity and a lot of question marks on these crops. The Pro Farmer Crop Tour continues today through Iowa. Farmers now have new electronic options to pay at the USDA's Farm Service Agency. Gary Crawford has more from Washington. Cash, check, money order, or wire. Up to now, those have been the only ways farmers could pay the USDA's Farm Service Agency. However, for some Farm Service Agency programs... They now can do paperless transactions with regard to... Payments. FSA Associate Administrator Steve Peterson says that agencies now accepting debit cards and automated clearinghouse debit payments, so you can call with your card number or checking account number and make a payment that way if you want. However, for now, that type of payment only being accepted for certain programs. We're doing it for farm loan repayments, for measurement service, for farm debt repayments. If they're purchasing Aerial photography, they can also use this transaction. So about half of FSA's programs can handle paperless payments. And our goal is to expand that to all FSA programs. No timeline on that just yet, but with just the programs in the system now, and if half of FSA's customers use the new payment options, USDA calculating in the first year, it'll save the agency about a million dollars in administrative costs. Could save farmers a lot of time as well. Gary Crawford, U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. 
This fall, the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry is launching a program to collect unwanted pesticides from agricultural producers across the state who need assistance disposing of them properly. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry Mike Strain says the unwanted pesticide pickup program will be conducted at various locations in the state. Last time we did it, we had collected 200 tons of unused pesticides, and this will, this will be free of charge. And so at first, uh, the, our extension agents for the LSU Ag Center will be doing an inventory, and then we're going to set up pickup stations, and we will dispose of those unwanted chemicals that are on the farm to get this cleaned up out of the environment. Strain says there is no cost to the farmer, and it is completely anonymous for those who want to participate. The U.S.-China trade war is still no closer to a resolution, and it may not be until after the next presidential election. And Don Molino reports that the ongoing dispute is badly disrupting the Louisiana soybean producer. Kyle McCann, assistant to the Louisiana Farm Bureau president, points out the soybean crop is the most affected by the war for the second year in a row. Last year was absolutely devastating to some because of the uh, way in which the market was hit and the lack of trade at a critical harvest time, it really uh, hurt producers on the southern half of the crop. This year, we've begun the harvest a little bit. We haven't had quite the weather issues that we had last year, which compounded these trade issues, but we're still seeing prices lower than what we expected back in the spring. Last year alone, uh, you saw over a $2 decline in prices. Then with market impacts related to weather, a lot of people saw even lower prices than that. This year, starting off with, weren't as high in the spring price as uh, we were the previous year, but we've still seen things fall off uh, well over a dollar to the mid $8 range right now. McCann also points out soybean prices right now are break-even at best. In reality, the soybean market that we operate in is a world market, and half the production is from the uh, U.S. and the other half is from South America. However, the biggest single buyer in the world, biggest single consumer, is China. For the U.S., in terms of exports, the number two export market is Mexico, and they're just a small fraction of what China accounts for. So there's no great replacement. So when you look at this and uh, this being protracted on for some period of time, it is very concerning because there's there's just not a good market that will take the place of China in the world market and therefore impacting world prices. Louisiana exports 95% of its soybean crop and China accounts for two-thirds of U.S. soybean exports. While soybeans is the most directly impacted by China, any type of trade disturbance like this, also by the fact that it impacts soybean acres, also will impact other acreage and corresponding prices, such as corn and, and the like. Uh, some commodities aren't as hit as bad uh, by China because they're not a major importer from us. Uh, however, soybeans is the single largest row crop in the state where we normally grow somewhere around 1.3 million acres. So it does impact almost every uh, producer in the state. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. That's a look at some of the latest headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Don't forget, you can stay up to date by checking out our website, voiceoflaag.com. 
voiceoflaag.com. We update that website every weekday with all the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. Right there on the homepage of the website, there's a button you can click, fill out your name and email address, and we'll send you all of the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture right to your inbox, 5 a.m. every weekday morning. Now let's look at the markets on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We didn't get a turnaround Tuesday yesterday, but we did see a turnaround today. We finished higher in soybeans, corn, and wheat. Chris Robinson is with the Cowguy Group on the trading floor in Chicago. He says the soybean market got some technical help today. Yeah, I think part of that also, too, there's just some technical stuff going on there. I know people hate technicals, but uh, if you look at new crop soybeans, it's in a bit of a, a pennant formation, and it came right back to, right down to support at around 866. Now, what's the upside of the pennant? It's about 917. So, again, if we can get something going here and get a good rally and have people talk about, you know, the pods aren't filling. Uh, we could be, uh, you know, in a, in a situation where we might get back to that 915, 916 area. So if I'm a producer, I'm going to keep that level in mind, right? Because uh, um, uh, that's that's the key. I think if 2019 has taught us anything, it's that when you get a price that's good, you need to move some bushels. So if we do get a uh, recovery rally, I think you need to be ready to move bushels. September soybeans up four and three quarters, closing at 860 and a half. New crop November beans up four and three quarters, 873 a bushel. Corn finally turned around and had a higher close. September corn up three cents, 362 and a half. December corn up one and a half at 370 and a quarter. September wheat up two and a half, closing at 462 and a half. About the only lower close we saw today was in the rice market. Mark Tall is a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association's Rice Marketing Office in Crowley. Well, the futures market in the last five trading days has moved lower to where we are today. September is now trading at around 1094.100. The reason for this lower price is that no new sales are showing up at the moment, but with a reduction of field yields and possibly milling in great qualities at Jeopardy. Uh, this market will have to reassess values as uh, the south moves into the second half of the harvest. The current long grain prices are basically unchanged at 11.11.100, based on a 62 over 70 number two. Deliveries are still running August, September at the moment. Rain has delayed some harvesting over the last week, but it will get done. All eyes are on the final yields at this point, and we expect holding will take place beyond this. September rice finished seven cents lower to close at ten ninety one a hundred weight. November rice down six, closing at eleven twenty two. November sugar up two points, twenty five point eighty three cents. Now with a look at the cotton markets, here's Don Molino. Cotton futures at New York were higher in most contracts on Wednesday. The seven day weather outlook showed little precipitation for most of Texas, but with some rains expected for the southeastern U.S. USDA will release their weekly export sales report today, showing data from the week of August 15th. At an auction of state reserves on Wednesday, China sold 10,455 metric tons of cotton, totaling just over 92.5% of the amount offered. The Cotton Index down 90 points on August 20th at 70.50 a pound.
The weekly average world price, $52.22 a pound. It'll be updated today. At New York Wednesday afternoon, October cotton, 59.66 up 49. New crop December, 59.94 up 80. March, 60.65 up 57. The spot market price, 56.87 up 70. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. No fed cattle sales so far this week. The online fed cattle auction on Wednesday reported no sales as well. Asking prices in the country, 110 in the south, slightly higher as you move up north. Of course, the feedlots trying to raise live cattle prices after a $5 drop last week. The Packers are definitely in the driver's seat. They're making over $300 ahead with this current market situation. Cattle futures moved higher on Wednesday. August live cattle up 87 cents, 102.67. The December contract up 47 at 105.30. September feeder cattle up $1.57, closing at 135.30. October feeders up 90 cents, 134.55. Each year, the Delta Farm Press sponsors the High Cotton Award. And I personally would like to see a Louisiana cotton producer win it this year. So what exactly is the High Cotton Award? Well, we'll check in with Ron Smith. He's content director for the Delta Farm Press. He'll tell us all about the High Cotton Award and how you or someone you know can apply for it. That's coming up next. Ron Smith with the Delta Farm Press on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest today is Ron Smith. Ron is content director for the Delta Farm Press, a publication that I know a lot of you read. Ron, let's talk about the High Cotton Award that Delta Farm Press is sponsoring and has sponsored for many years. Tell me about the High Cotton Award and what it's all about. Probably about 25 or maybe even longer than that uh, years ago, um, we decided that farmers are are blamed a lot of times for a lot of uh, environmental issues that they really aren't guilty of. We, having worked with farmers a long time, understand that they are probably the best stewards uh, of anybody in the country. So we wanted to create an award that would recognize the conservation and the sustainability efforts that farmers make uh, growing cotton. And that's that was really the the backbone. And we, we uh, worked with the uh, with Cotton Foundation to, to create this this award. And like I say, it's been going on for uh, 
25 years, a little, a little longer. I wish I had that uh, exact number for you. Well, Ron, how do you go about picking the winner? How does the selection process go? We usually try, try to uh, let people know, the people in the cotton industry know that, uh, hey, it's, it's, it's time to uh, start thinking about this. And uh, we have nomination forms on our website, or you can call us or just uh, send us an email, say, hey, I would like a nomination form, and we will get one to you. And uh, people who know cotton and know those, those people who are good cotton producers and who are really good stewards of the land, um, we in, encourage them to, uh, to find those people and uh, fill out one of these forms, make, make sure that the, uh, that the farmers is, is willing to accept it. Not all of them are, but most are. And, uh, and then just start working on the, working on the form and uh, concentrate on those, uh, on those stewardship items. Those are the most important thing. Ron, I see on your website where cotton growers need to meet three important criteria. Number one, they need to be a full-time grower who gets a profitable return from cotton, and that can be challenging this year. Uh, the nominee needs to produce cotton of consistent high quality, and the nominee must use environmentally sound production methods while producing a high-quality, profitable cotton crop. So it looks like you're looking for the cream of the crop. Uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, we've, we've done this for a long time, and Every year, I'll I'll think you know we can't find another uh, cotton farmer who will who will be this good, and we always do. And they're always good producers. Uh, they are they're all you know, full time cotton farmers. Uh, they they produce they produce good quality. And as you said, you know sometimes it's harder to make a profit out of it some years than it is others. But they're always up there with uh, with with good yields, efficient production, and that uh, that's the stewardship and what we're calling sustainability now. Uh, that makes it possible for uh, farmers to do this job to produce high quality cotton and produce uh, the pounds necessary uh, and do it in an environmentally sound way. And uh, it's amazing uh, at, at some of the, the processes and the production practices that we found on these farms. They are amazing stewards. Ron, do you give just one award or is it a regional award? Do you have multiple awards? It's a regional award. We have four four different regions: the southeast, the, the delta, the southwest, and then uh, the far west, which is California and Arizona. And you know, of course, those uh, regions have different climates and, uh, and different production practices. But that sustainability, and that and the the farmers really his his loyalty to the to the land is one thing that we have found cuts across any region. What do winners get? What's the the award for winning the High Cotton Award? Well, one of the first things is that we you know we we take them into now it is the Mid South Farm and Gin Show. Uh, we have an awards breakfast there, and we invite them uh, to that breakfast, present the award to them, and it's really a really unique award. We have a bronze sculpture, a cotton bowl. It's a beautiful piece of art, and it, it's also heavy. And uh, that, uh, you know, they can take that home with them and put it on their mantle or on their desk. And it's, uh, it has become, uh, you know, one of the symbols, uh, I think, in the cotton belt of somebody who's done a fine job growing cotton and growing it sustainably. Ron, it looks like the deadline is coming up quick, August 31st. So if a producer or someone who knows a producer who they feel like would be a good candidate for this award wants to apply, how do they do that? Contact contact somebody with Farm Press. Look on our website. There should be a, a page there that will have uh, forms to fill out. If not, 
Uh, you can call anybody on staff at Farm Press. Go to our, you know, uh, farmpress.com, uh, deltafarmpress.com. Uh, contact me, ron.smith at farmprogress.com. We'll get a, we'll get a, a, a form to you. But just, you know, be in touch with us, uh, touch base with some of the, some of the generous. They should, uh, they should know about the program. Uh, your extension people, your cotton specialists. Find those good growers and, and let some of us know and we'll, we'll find a way to get them nominated. Ron.Smith at farmprogress.com is an email address you can use or check out the Delta Farm Press website. You'll find a, a nomination form there as well. Thanks so much for your time, Ron. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We, we do appreciate you uh, mentioning our program. We're very proud of it. It's one of the, one of the most fun and I think exciting things that, that I have done for, for many years. It's, it's a great opportunity. That'll wrap up the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Wednesday, August 21st of 2019. We'll see you tomorrow, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. Our handle is at Voice of LA Ag on both Facebook and Twitter. Look us up at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.